I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Right. Thank you for coming back to join us. I hope part one was not too complicated. We tried to simplify the science and also bring you the, the human artistic view of it with all of the wonderful input from my dear friend, Kate Doddy. And uh, we'll continue the conversation. We want to go into other aspects of chaos and how it impacts on time, how it impacts on our happiness, our, you know, the concepts of impermanence and how all of that put together leads us to understand how everything is connected. My guests today are Kate Doddy, who is the renowned visual artist, uh, British visual artist, who's recognized for her work in exploring and evaluating the human experience in general. And Sir Konstantin Novoselov, who is the Nobel Prize winner uh, of 2010 for the project of isolating graphene, but also a very serious physicist who we now found out is an artist. He is a Russian-British physicist, a professor at the Center of Advanced uh, 2D Material in the National University of Singapore. He is also the long-worthy professor of, in the School of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Manchester. So without further ado, let's continue the conversation. And I hope you enjoy part two as much as I'm enjoying this conversation. Kate Doddy and Konstantin Novoselov. So Kate, do you actually believe that art is inspiration? Michelangelo, not that I'm comparing myself to Michelangelo, <laughs> but Michelangelo said, if people knew how hard I worked, they wouldn't think I was a very good sculptor. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think uh, inspiration comes when you a lot of it's just putting in the hours i think but i i find the world and my children and my friendships and the knowledge that i find around very inspiring so i never run out of ideas and talking with kostya about science you realize that i think that there isn't such a thing really as an artist as in people associate being an artist with being some sort of a visual artist but I think people at the top of their game in any field is an artist. I agree. Um, you know, you talk to somebody the other night, I was uh, talking to somebody about mushrooms and, um, and this man grew mushrooms and the way that he spoke about mushrooms and his mushroom library and, uh, and how he grows them in these enormous low barns with the air and the spores that he keeps in the special circumstance. He's an artist. And uh, people who do things beautifully and with purity of intent, to me, are artists. You know, somebody who takes care of their garden, somebody who is a nurse. That, for me, is, is an artist, really. So I don't know about, um, about that. But then does this art come from within you or from outside you? I think that's the question we were looking at. It's a, oh, for me, it comes a lot from outside of me. Like um, some work that I make, I literally, I just, I just know that I'm going to make it, and then I just, I, I make it. It's got nothing to do with me, really. I just make it. So now, at the moment, I'm making sculpture, and this sculpture that I made, which I am very 
delighted with and I'm going to make it out of steel and put it in our show, whatever. But I didn't even really know I was making it. I just woke up and ended up making this sculpture. And uh, for me, I, I would say the really good work that I make has got nothing to do with me. I'm just like, um, I'm executing ideas that appear to me. Same for me, I, I do it in the same way. So any difficult scientific problem, so we, we come together for a seminar, for a workshop, try to solve it, nothing works. And then very, very often after a few of those, somewhere in the night, you just dream the, the solution. Yeah. Again, what, what happens in your brain? What kind of chaotic process lead it? Just, uh, I think the brain just tries everything or it's some quantum leap happens but uh, it's actually quite a lot of interesting ideas come in the latent state of the brain when, when you are semi-conscious and even when and you even, are asleep it, it still but, works it's still something of course you you your your thing with the graphene with the sellotape the person who did that with the sellotape had already isolated graphene but what you did was recognize that this was the way of isolating graphene in a funny kind of way do you know i believe Everything is there. It's just a question of making things apparent. So I feel like lots of artwork and ideas and research and graphene, for example, has always been there. Just you made it apparent. Your work brought it to the possibility of the imagination of other people, as it were. No? Oh, yeah, well, we're getting close to Kant so that you actually you have the real world, but you still have to pass it through your through your eyes to get the right ideas mm. of it. Right? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean so the spiritual view sometimes, you know, assumes that consciousness is primary and that everything exists, that you just have to tap into it to be able to to see it, right? So it is there, but those who pay attention if you want are able to capture it somehow. Well uh, I still think that there is biased way of how our our brain takes it and understands i mean in a sense maybe you're right but what we need to create is a language in which we understand it because also our brain would prefer not to mention it not to notice it unless we have a name for it i'm sure that kate would have a, a nice story about giving a name and or not giving a name and being completely forgotten and it's a it's a true fact so one of the things which I also, I also do quite often, if I need to formulate something, I won't just simply sit and write. I would, I would go and try to explain someone something because when, if I try to explain something to myself, it's very, very easy to sweep some unknown things under the carpet. And <laughs> your brain really tries to turn a blind eye on it. So it's like... You know, you walk in the fields, especially in Singapore, and if you are afraid of snakes, so your mind would try to blind, even if you see a snake, your brain would try to blind spot it because you don't want to know <laughs> that, that it's there. So uh -huh. it's quite often happens in science as well. And then, but when you try to explain it to someone, you know that you cannot, you, you cannot hide those, those blind spots. So you have to pronounce them. And then once you said it, so it's, it's there. It's also a thing to do with sharing, isn't it? And communication. If you, I can't remember the name of this, the, the woman scientist who discovered, who took a photograph of DNA, what she called, she had taken this photograph 
many, many months before the people who discovered DNA found it. I went to see this play, it was fascinating. And she was such a perfectionist and she, she wasn't exactly sure what she had. And so she didn't show it to anybody. And so she just kept it in her lab and it was there. And the, the two guys who, Cricks and Watson, one of them went in to get some matches because they were up late at night working and they needed some matches and they thought maybe she got some matches. So they go in there to get some and they found this photograph, which was the image that they had been missing from their calculations. And I think that if you want to fight chaos, then you have to share like everything you've got. And it takes a real like um, swallowing of the ego because you have to share your imperfect knowledge, your half-formed work, your lack of ability to communicate and to articulate your feelings, your incapacity to master language and so on. But if you can share and communicate whatever it is that you have, then you're contributing towards greater harmony and understanding in the world. You know, what do you think? Mm. I do, I, I, but you have no idea how profound this sounds to me because maybe we spoke about this offline, Kate, but I call 2021 my year of flow. Every year I start with one element that I basically want to be the theme of the year. And to me, this is the year of flow. But of course, my hyper-masculine, hyper-engineered, hyper-mathematical mind constantly brings me back to what Kostya mentioned as the baseline, the path. I always try to avoid chaos because... I'm so well trained to avoid chaos, but it seems with everything that we're talking about here that sometimes it's just wonderful to wander off and just go somewhere and discover something, right? And we're so bad at that in the modern world, aren't we? But if you can embrace chaos, I mean, that chaos is part of who we are. And so it's a mistake to think that you can get away from chaos because it's literally, we're half chaos and half harmony. So if you ignore <laughs> the chaos part of yourself, you're neglecting a part of, of who you are as a, as a human being. And so it's important, I think, to embrace chaos and to embrace fully the possibilities that that Kostya is shaking his head. No, no, no. You can see I like chaos. Look at my studio. I'm actually saying that this is a perfect, really perfect topic because we are right at the border point when we start to embrace chaos. So two years ago, COVID, uh, a little bit less than two years ago, COVID started to attack us and it was definitely chaotic for everyone and we thought that we can beat it. And now, if you think that you can beat it, so there is a, a certain strategy, how do you develop your medicine, the NHS, and, and so on. Now, we just realize we cannot beat it, so we have to embrace it. So what we're doing now, these strategies in many countries change, and we are literally embracing chaos. And we just say, okay, this chaotic situation is with us to live. We are going to live in a chaos. But it's nothing wrong with it. And so you simply need to live in a chaos. And there are different strategies, sometimes completely different, 180 degrees different. And But uh, we just need to say it out loudly and, and live in the chaos. Mm. And have faith. Not have faith like faith, you know, but have faith that it will be okay, that we can embrace it and that that will be the way that it should be. 
Well, but there is a beauty that. that chaos and complexity, they've got their own law, so they're not yeah. completely chaotic. Yeah. There is some order, the famous Kolmogorov theorem, so you can actually extract certain certain rules about chaos and then you can actually do something with it. So this is once again super profound because what we're saying here is we're saying that the actual rule of life is chaos. So everything we understand in physics, you know, from the Big Bang all the way to where we are here is because of chaos. It's because of entropy, right? And yet when we get a tiny bit of more chaos in COVID-19, we take that and we focus on it and we say the world is going to end. While in reality, the world has always been chaotic and our attempts to make it ordered has just been at best futile. You can keep a few things in order, but most things not. Absolutely. I think it's just embracing. and It's like, it's the same as we, we just spoke before, embracing the scientific discoveries, which we need to trust. Things cannot be undiscovered. So atomic bomb brings chaos in our life, but it also brings electricity to so many people. Mm -hmm. So you just have to live with it. So same with COVID. So we are in this situation and I think we just need to embrace it and continue living with it. Our life is what our thoughts make it, right? <laughs> the other day yeah. I was, um, I was in this, uh, I was going into the bakery shop, you know, that bakery shop that we went to once cost you and ate the black bread. So I was in this bakery shop and there's this lovely girl who looks like a um, photograph by Latigue, you know, the great photographer. She has this kind of hair, like a, like a sort of wavy chestnut, like it's been painted on as pink. Anyway, I like this girl in this shop and, and there was the whole queue outside the bakery and blah, blah. And I had to tie my bike up and I went in and I couldn't find my mask. It was really cold, you know, when your hands are really cold and it's difficult to move properly, you know. So I had my frozen fingers and I somehow put my mask on and then I was like, oh, do you know these masks? I said to her, not in a particularly bad tempered way, but I was kind of like a bit like, oh, I'm exasperated by this mask. And this beautiful young girl in the bakery shop, she kind of looked at me and she's like, oh, I just got used to it. And this was mm. a huge revelation to me because I was like, of course, you know, you should just get used to it and just embrace it. And, you know, whatever it is that comes your way, if you can embrace it with good nature and just get on with it, then the chaos will have, you'll find a way through, through the chaos. And, and it's a sort of very personal thing. So in, in reality, resilience is not to try and control everything. Resilience is to be able to sway with things while you continue to go where you want to go in life, right? Yeah. Well, that's what Confucius says. And <laughs> is it? I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> Kostya, you were saying? No, I just said that fighting the second law of thermodynamics is... Uh, is really impossible. It's futile. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. <laughs> will you tell about the little printed mini CERN? Because I think that'll really give a lot of pleasure to know that there can be this mini CERN the size of a shoebox. Could you explain? Well, it? No, no, it's uh, it just that the properties of electrons in graphene are so, are so strange. So they are more like the properties of relativistic particles, which people study in CERN and so mm. basically can produce many versions of the experiments which people even fail to do or not interested to do 
insert in, in our devices, and it's basically tiny micrometer-sized devices. But we but we see effects which were originally predicted for the relativistic particles. So there is mm. there is a very interesting connection, and so the the links are are there, the equations are there, and it was really a great pleasure for many scientists who just started to to study relativistic dynamics, which is usually the realm of the, of the particle physicist. I mean, honestly, this entire conversation we're having here just tells me that we really know almost nothing at all. I mean, so much is, is so... The world before graphene is different than the world post-graphene. The way we we look at, at order, of course, the laws of physics are highly predictable, including the laws of chaos. But but the way chaos itself works means that the events themselves are often unpredictable. As a scientist, I mean, as an artist, I think Kate would agree that you just discover something new every minute. But as a scientist, do you believe we figured things out? I think we, I don't think we will ever actually figure things things out. So there are always approximations, approximations, approximations. And for me, it's even not getting the enough knowledge, but it's probably finding the right language how to how to describe it. Like now we we use quantum mechanics to mm-hmm. describe many physical phenomena and quantum mechanics operates with wave functions. It's the function which describes the probability of finding a particle somewhere. And we never can work with the wave function itself. We will only see the particle. So uh, wave function is a language. And what we do, we change language and it helps us to approximate things better. But hopefully we can find better language to to describe it in more intuitive way, because I think what you are what you're saying that there is no we're getting away from the intuition, and that's probably true. So quantum mechanics is completely counterintuitive, and <laughs> um, that's a pity. But whether quantum mechanics is the end, or it's possible to create a different language which suddenly simplifies suddenly everything. Simplifies everything, and I mean. Physicists, in fact, try to do it, and, and there are physicists who do it from the other side. They say that, look, of course, what we see now, the world is quite chaotic and very complex, but we don't believe that the world is created this way. It should be simple and beautiful. So let's try the equations which are simple and beautiful and actually try to figure out how, how the world fits into those. So uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> That's such an interesting view. Maybe we simply haven't found the right language. So. so basically, it's like the artists who first say, "I'll write the lyrics and then the music," or those who say, "Right, yeah, I'll, I'll write the music and then the lyrics will just drop in." Right. So absolutely, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, all of these, dis- all of these discoveries, they're like portals into new realms, aren't they? So when Kostya made his discovery but he's all the time making lots of discoveries and so are lots of other people as well but um you had to invent new terms to describe the thing so it's it's all about everything is connected it's language it's science it's ideas it's uh, concrete but it's completely conceptual it's it's everything all mixed isn't it so it's no we're not making the discoveries for the sake of discoveries 
So Kate is is an expert in languages. I I can't I can't count how many languages. Kate, is that true? Kate I didn't know. Speaks, but your recent edition was Egyptian, and it's like uh, it's like Rosetta Stone. So you basically need to find more and more examples to figure out. Wow, well, actually, this language has this contribution, this contribution to make it to make it complete because. Well, you you can so if you take only part of the text, you think, oh, it might be so. This language may be only phonetic, or it's it, it's only hieroglyphic, or but but you actually need many different chunks of of information to make sure that to understand that it, it's both. Same in physics, you need to find examples from from different realities, from from different sides to understand the full picture, and of course. Being pragmatic and uh, scientists should be, our theory need to describe the full picture. We need to find the simplest equation which describe the, <laughs> the complete picture. And so, more complexity eventually leads to simplicity. Somehow, the more you understand about the topic, that's the hope. Yes, that's basically start adding more and more terms into your into your equations, and then at a certain moment, you just realize well. These terms cancel each other, and this one plus this one gets you a very simple one. So you actually get <laughs> a more, a more beautiful, more symmetric view on the problem. Like Pi and Euler. But yeah, so like like Pi and Euler, like uh, like, or it's actually a very interesting story about the Chinese art. I don't know how much do you do you know about this, but there is always. Maybe you can recollect that many of the Chinese paintings they always have these red stamps with the name of the of the mm. artist, or quite often several of them. So, and those stamps they're not only to commemorate and to to put the the name; they actually to balance the whole picture. So mm. you paint something, but then to complete it with the Fibonacci. Spiral or with with any other law of the composition, you actually place this little dot, and then which which suddenly brings all all the composition together. So that's what we also do in physics. We always try to find an extra the missing bit, which would finally make the whole the whole chaotic situation symmetric. I'm very tempted to go into Fibonacci specifically and other laws of order versus chaos, but let's not go there now. I want to continue on a path that we started, which is chaos and spirituality, if you want. And I know from the podcast you guys recorded, Wonder Chaos, there was an episode on impermanence. And I was like, man, that's a wonderful topic to discuss from a chaos point of view. Impermanence is a very spiritual thing, the idea that nothing will last forever. Let's start with Kate. How did you get to that point? Um, it's the core of my understanding of my everyday life, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I then get to that. It's where I start from every, from. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's like uh, I don't know. For me, like that's what I, I think about it a lot, and it's it's even at the heart of my work. When I had, um, I used to. I mean, I still do a lot, but um, I used to make loads and loads of work and never even photograph it. Or I did a whole show actually at the Yorkshire Sculpture Park where I wrote all over the park in lettering that 
washed off or was eaten by sheep or um because uh, it's <laughs> these things are to celebrate impermanence you know you can things don't have to be forever if you're if you're trying to keep hold of things and make them last and pin them down they'll still disappear so it's so important it's a great discipline that i'm trying to practice every day to celebrate and embrace the impermanent nature of our existence and everything's existence and then i think if you can do that you'll you'll have peace with your day you can still make loads of things and uh, and be you know as productive as you can but but always with this perspective of impermanence i just think as a i'm really bent on having a, a useful quiet benevolent happy life and to that end i think a lot about impermanence so for me it's a practical thing it's like having a it's like putting some shoes on in the morning or having a life jacket when you go out into the sea thinking about impermanence Well, isn't that the opposite of what an artist is about? You're, you're supposed to document a moment of inspiration for the rest of humanity to see. <laughs> Maybe I'm not a very good artist. <laughs> <laughs> We know that's not true. And <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, maybe I'm, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, for for me to convey this message of impermanence is also a central part of my of my work as well, because I feel that I've met so many people who have really. I've had a great good fortune in my life of of meeting so many wonderful people and when I think about what sets them apart and makes them wonderful to be around a lot of them have had a really good look at the impermanent nature of our every instant on this earth and embraced it and moved ahead with their head held high and tried to build a better world all the same and that's something that I find particularly interesting in science is is looking at impermanence and exploring the nature of our material existence. I mean, what could be a more beautiful examination of impermanence than that, right? <laughs> you know, it's uh, and even always these conversations with Kostya at the end finish with him saying, "Ah, well, but no one ever really knows exactly if that is quite exactly true Do you know your all the theorems and uh, and formulae of physics and mathematics isn't that right what you're explaining to me cost you always is that there's the sort of when you go off the deep end of looking at these things there's mystery and and impermanence <laughs> you know it's the say so, yeah for mathematics of course they they would know that that's true because they actually created this but for physicists yes we never know if it is true and we we actually hope that we will find a better solution a more a more simple a more a more intuitive solution but impermanence is actually linked to chaos quite readily because as we said so the time going forward and the entropy growing is actually true for uh, mainly for so we we experience time going forward only as as biological species right so for uh, relativistic particles it doesn't it doesn't matter where whether time goes forward or or backward and as biological species we are impermanent so so is there a rule can we live forever and what actually limits our our existence and i think our solution 
or one of the ideas which which we had was that trees can live for thousands of years. So in principle, nothing stops your skin to uh, to be to just renovate and the, the cells just uh, recovering and, and and growing new ones. What is finite, however, is the brain capacity. So at the end of the day, you have to limit, you have to fill in everything in your brain, and then that's it. So that's the end of the story. So you you, you have to die. And the only way how we can, how human fight this is creativity, because you are creating analogies and you are creating some extracts from the idea. So rather than remembering about this podcast, I'm sure that in a year time, my brain would forget most of it, but I would still remember that we had great time and some of the some of the good phrases from it will stay there. So so our brain continuously compresses this this information trying to free capacity for more and more information because once the capacity is gone, we um we are gone as well. I didn't understand this fully. Are we saying that it's mind blowing actually. Are we saying that the only reason we as humans experience death is that we cannot process more information? I'm not the, the biologist. I'm sure that the biologists and, and medics especially would tell you that there are many other reasons why do you die. But for me, those reasons are not fundamental. In principle, you can, so cells can recover and you can grow more skin. And so I mean, we, we grow different cells all the time, but you cannot feed more information than some into your brain. So that's, <laughs> the, that's definitely, there is, a, there is finite capacity. I love how physics always evolves into information. So it's always about that information paradox, if you want. You know, this is the only part of physics where we end up going like, all right, this is it. If there is no more information, there is no more reason to be there. Well, exactly, because uh, you need to make to make decisions on now rather than on, on your past. So you need to process new information. And this, and this new information has to be recorded completely. So you need to compress the old information. And that's actually where we are very good at. And that's exactly what our brain does. It manages to store only the very essential ones, only the, <laughs> the, the feelings. So we, we forget the details on the conversation, but you remember the important parts. Okay, I didn't like this guy, and I, I really like the ideas of this guy, so it's worthwhile go for dinner again with him. So, so with time, we compress that old information more and more in order to free space for the new one. I also think there's this idea of, um, I think people these days seem to take the human race very seriously. And I find that it's very touching, but the world has, you know, this world that we know has existed for a very long time and will continue to do so, uh, God willing. But we as individuals, I, we're sort of neither more nor less important than we should be, right? And so when I um, die, of course, you know, my children, <laughs> I hope they'll be really happy, you know, that, that I existed. But um, 
I'm just made of a whole load of different uh, elements of carbon and water and I don't know what. And that will continue and um, and will be, there's not much difference really between sort of me and this beautiful tree that's, uh, you know, right in front of me. And if if I'm lucky and I get buried underneath a tree, then in a way I will live forever. It's this idea of the individual human spirit being so important is is something that's very beautiful, but I think it's, um, in my view, everything really is connected. And so we're all just a manifestation of spirit, I suppose, in a different material presentation. And so we should all just kind of chill out and relax about our <laughs> our egos. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I love this. I completely agree with you. So people take humanity just too seriously. There are much more important problems in life like England is taking on Czech Republic tonight so that's <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah I agree I think we uh, we humans we uh, yeah we personalize things a little more I really I really love the concept that yeah my carbon and your carbon are probably the carbon of someone that was born and died 200 years ago and a bit of him or her came into you and a bit of him or her came into a tomato that your mother, uh, you know, or my mother ate. And it's, uh, we're all one and the same. And I think that's, yeah, that is a, a wonderful way to, to end this conversation that because of chaos and everything breaking down, basically we're eventually all shuffled into one and the same. And that maybe we shouldn't be too serious about life after all. This carbon story is exactly where we started with Kate on the Everything is Connected project. So that's uh, so we have this all the atoms which traveled across the universe and then ended up in and me and you and Kate. So that's true, and we we just we probably need to be grateful for that. So that's uh, this connectivity to the rest of the universe is really is really fascinating and very reassuring. Very reassuring. So if listeners want to learn more about that project, so I mentioned the podcast, Wonder Chaos, but also the, so the Yorkshire uh, Sculpture Park project is when? 7th of September, right? Yeah, it's the 8th. 8th Chinese 8th, 8th. numbers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 8th, 8th of September. And uh, I think everyone should really, really, really study chaos from every angle. It is such a fascinating topic when we see so much order in our life and the universe, but then we underlying all of it is so much chaos. Just humbles you to exactly how little we know about how things really work. I'm so grateful for you, both of you. This was a wonderful conversation. Kostya, you have to find a way to go back to London so that when I'm there, the three of us can go out for a coffee. Nothing I want more, yes. Let's hope for the world of chaos to take over so that the, you know, the British government uh, applies a little less <laughs> order and embraces chaos a little more. I am really, really grateful to both of you. This was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I love what you're doing and I hope it will be a massive success. I expect it will be a massive success. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I have nothing to tell you other than where we started this conversation. You see, for a physicist, the word chaos is truly the underlying order that defines everything in terms of the order of our universe. 
chaos is so predictable that it is described by a very accurate equation. But chaos is what drives us to be creative. I think the idea of opening up to the flow of chaos has definitely been a big theme for me this year and maybe something for you too to think about. I definitely totally enjoyed this conversation. I absolutely love the topic. I absolutely love the connection between Kostya and Kate and how they play off each other to explain such interesting views of the world that are so diverse than yet perhaps just two opposite views of the same coin. And I truly hope that you too have enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Please let me know what you think, because I sometimes want to bring to you slightly more complex conversations around science and the connection between science and the rest of our being as humans, uh, connection to spirituality, to art, to music, and so on. And hopefully introduce you to those scientific concepts in ways that make you really understand our world, the world that we understand with our emotions a little bit, with our analytical mind. Find me on social media, send me a message, tell me what you think, suggest other guests, and hopefully in the process remember to be so kind to us and tell others about slow-mo. Tell those who you believe would benefit from slowing down, because as we say every week, just to remind you that regardless of how busy you are this week, there's always, always, always time for you to slow down. I love you all for listening. I'm truly grateful for the opportunity that you give me. And I will see you next time.